Are we on? Okay, we're on. All right. Hello and welcome to Hot Rod Bible Study. Uh, tonight we are actually going to finish our study in the book of Matthew. And this is probably, well, everything has been leading up to this point in, in the book of Matthew. Uh, and we uh, get to see, again, we get to see the resurrection and the Great Commission, all, all in this, this, this section here. So, without further ado, let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for your love for us. Thank you that you did send your Son, Jesus, to pay the price for our sins. Thank you that, better yet, he rose from the dead instead of just dying like so many. Lord, Thank you for that. And again, thank you for your word. The time we get to spend studying it, I pray your blessing upon this study tonight and uh, the blessing on everybody who is uh, within the sound of my voice. How's that? Keep me out of the way. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay. Um, last week we ended up with... Um, Jesus' death on the cross. And tonight, we're going to be, again, looking at the resurrection and all. So, verse 57 says, Now when evening had come, there was a rich man from Arimathea named Joseph, who himself was also, who had himself had also become a disciple of Jesus. This man went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Then Pilate commanded the body to be given to him. When Joseph had, Joseph had taken the body and laid it in his new tomb, which he had hewn out of the rock, and he rolled a large stone against the door of the tomb and departed. Yeah, wait a minute. It's almost like, ah, see, I jumped over. Please forgive me. When Joseph had taken the body, he wrapped it in a clean linen cloth laid it in the new tomb, which he had hooned out of the rock, and he rolled over a large stone against the door of the tomb and departed. And Mary Magdalene was there, and the other Mary, sitting opposite the tomb. On the next day, which followed the day of preparation, the priests and the Pharisees gathered together to Pilate, saying, Sir, we remember, while he was still alive, how the deceivers said, After three days I will rise. Therefore, command that the tomb be made secure until the third day, lest his disciples come by night and steal him away and say to the people, he is risen from the dead. So the last deception will be worse than the first. Pilate said to them, you have a guard, go your way, make it as secure as you know how. So they went and made the tomb secure, sealing the stone and setting the guard. Now, after the Sabbath, as the first day of the week began to dawn, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door, sat on it. His countenance was like lightning, his clothing as white as snow, and a guard shook for fear of him and became like dead men. But the angel answered and said to the women, Don't be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who is crucified. 
He is not here. He is risen. As he said, come, see the place where the Lord lay. And then go quickly and tell the disciples that he has risen from the dead. And indeed, he is going before you into Galilee. There you will see him. Behold, I have told you. So they went out quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to bring the disciples word. And as they went to tell his disciples, behold, Jesus met them saying, rejoice. So they came and held him by the feet and worshiped him. Then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brethren to go to Galilee and there they will see me. Now, while they were going, behold, some of the guard came into the city and reported to the chief priests all the things that happened. When they had, when they had assembled with the elders and consulted together, they gave a large sum of money to the soldiers, saying, Tell them the disciples came at night and stole them away while we have slept. And if this comes to the governor's ears, we will appease him and make sure you are secure. So they took the money and did as they were instructed. And this saying is commonly reported among the Jews until this day. Then the 11 disciples went away into Galilee, to the mountain which Jesus had appointed for them. When they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And, lo, I am with you always, even until the end of the age. Amen. Just actually reminds me of when we finished up in... Revelation. Amen. All right. Now, here we are. Again, Jesus has been crucified, and here comes the evening around, and a rich man from Arimathea, which is about 20 miles northwest of Jerusalem, this rich name, man named Joseph, who himself had also become a disciple of Jesus. And this man went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Now, most of the time, uh, when somebody was crucified, they left the body hanging on the cross there to either rot or to be eaten by wild animals. Remember, this is also when the Passover is coming on, and the Jews would ask that the bodies would be removed for the Passover. So this wasn't necessarily uncommon to ask to receive the body. But anyway, here's, here's Joseph. And he asked this of Pilate. Then Pilate commanded the body to be given to him. When Joseph had taken the body, he wrapped it in a clean linen cloth. You know, this was following the, the burial um, uh, customs of the day. I guess, I don't know, for some reason, the movie The Mummy comes to mind, but that's it. Strips of linen like this. Okay. And... And, and and laid it in a new tomb. Now, that's kind of interesting. This is where nobody had been laid before, which seems to us like, well, yeah, <laughs> why not? Well, back in that time, there's limited amount of real estate for this. And what they would do is they would set a body in a tomb 
and then leave it there for a few years, three years or something like that, come back and get the bones and stick them in a bone box called an ossuary. Okay. Now this ossuary, uh, there's common, they, they found a bunches of them in, uh, in around the Holy Land and archaeologists have done it. And I want to say that a few years back they came across one that was inscribed, uh, James, son of Joseph, brother of Jesus. Now it was a big deal at the time. Uh, when when they had excavated this, uh, there's some controversy whether that whether it's bogus or whatever the deal is. I haven't heard much more about it. It was a pretty big deal. I want to say, man, it could even be up to 20 years ago they found it. But I, I I recall them doing it. But that's when I first heard about these ossuaries, and that's that's the deal. It's it's a bone box. So now they have room to put somebody in the tomb and continue this cycle of things. Okay, so. Now, this tomb nobody had laid in before, said which he had hewn out of a rock. Now, this is a fairly expensive proposition to do this. And again, uh, Joseph was a, a rich man. And there was a deal that I saw on the Internet the other day where somebody says, yeah, they came up to Joseph. And, and they said, well, why did you put Jesus in there? He says, well, he's only going to be there for the weekend. Okay. Anyway, so there's the deal. Uh, and they, what he did, he rolled a large stone against the door of the tomb and departed, which is a pretty common deal. I don't know if you've seen pictures of it. You can, you can check it out on the internet. But they got this big stone, circular stone, and it's in a track and it rolls over the, the doorway of a tomb. And that's, that's how they close the tomb up. Um, and so he departed, and Mary Magdalene was there, and the other Mary uh, sitting opposite the tomb. Now, Mark 15, and look at this, uh, puts it this way. Uh, Mark 15, verses 42 through 47 says, Now when the evening had come, because it was a preparation day, that is the day before the Sabbath, Joseph of Arimathea, a prominent council member. So not only was this guy a believer, but a prominent council member, oh, who himself was waiting for the kingdom of God, coming and taking courage. So in other words, he had to go up there and say to Pilate, you know, he had to get courage to do this, and ask for the body of Jesus. Pilate marveled that he was already dead, and summoning the centurion, he asked him if he had been dead for some time. So when he found out from the centurion, he granted the body to Joseph. Then he bought fine linen, took him down, wrapped him in the linen, and laid him in the tomb, which had been hewn out of the rock, and rolled a stone against the door of the tomb. And Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of Joseph observed where he was laid. Uh, also, uh, we see in John, it's Clopas' uh, wife, Mary, too, the mother of Joseph. And it's just kind of, because you see the other Mary. Gee whiz, how many Marys are there? <laughs> mentioned in the New Testament, this this whittles it down. And Mark has a little bit more of a detailed uh, account of this. So anyway, now, verse 62. On the next day, which followed the day of preparation, the chief priests and Pharisees gathered together to Pilate, saying, Sir, 
We remember while he was still alive that the deceiver said, after three days I will rise. Isn't it kind of funny that where we back up and and Jesus is being accused of blaspheming and all these terrible things, and what do they accuse him of? Of tearing down the temple. Here it is in just the facing page. Matthew 27, verse 39 says, And those who were blaspheming him wagged their heads and saying, You who destroy the temple and build it in three days, save yourself. So it's funny how they must have, they, they must have realized that Jesus was talking about himself. You know, first they accuse him. You go back to his trial, they're accusing him of going to destroy things. No, no, okay. Now, goes on, therefore, the, therefore, command, this is what the Pharisees and the chief priests are asking of Pilate, that the tomb be made secure until the third day, lest his disciples come by night and steal him away and say to the people, he has risen from the dead. So the last deception would be worse than the first. Boy, they are really concerned about this. Think about two things here. First of all, they're breaking Sabbath law that they were the ones who came up with. Added all this stuff on, you know, uh, remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Uh, They added all these things like you can't do any work, you know, so many things. So foolish. But here they are breaking their own Sabbath law by going and talking to Pilate. Hmm, okay. And they're a pretty big deal on law. (laughs) And so... Then the other thing is uh, talking about the disciples stealing the body away, you know, to try and perpetrate this lie. Just think how much hatred they had for Jesus to try and carry all this through, to try and keep people from following and listening to what Jesus had to say. He just flat hated them. Pilate said to them, you have a guard. Go your way, make it as secure as you know how. So they went and made the tomb secure, sealing the stone and setting the guard. Sealing the stone. Well, what they did is they took a rope, crossed the width of the, the stone, and they sealed it with a wax seal on each side. You know, kind of like, uh, you remember the sealing wax uh, on letters and all that stuff, where they had a signet ring and you put a glob of wax and you... Well, that was the same kind of deal, but big globs of wax to put the rope. It wouldn't keep the stone from rolling, but it would make sure that nobody had rolled it. It's kind of like, kind of like you guys that do land speed racing. When you get your engine checked for, measured for cubic inches, how they use safety wire and a lead seal on it. Okay. That, that's the same, same kind of deal. It was sealed that way. Now. Go on to chapter 28, verse 1. It says, now after the Sabbath, Saturday, as the first day of the week, Sunday began to dawn, Mary Magdalene and the other Marian, Mary, again, uh, wife of Clopas, we see that in John chapter 19, mother of Joseph, came to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake. Now, John Trapp puts it this way. The earth, and think about this. The earth shook both at Christ's passion, again, at at the crucifixion, and at his resurrection. 
then the passion to show that it could not bear his suffering. Earth could not. Now to show the resurrection that it could not hinder his rising. Wow. So we got an earthquake during the time of the death of Jesus and earthquake at the resurrection. Hmm. It says here, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and he came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat on it. Why did he do that? Did he have to open, did he have to roll back the stones so Jesus would get out? <laughs> nope. He rolled back the stone to show the world that Jesus is risen. That was the whole thing. Jesus didn't have to go have somebody open the door for him. He was already risen and rolling the stone back just showed, hey, it's an empty tomb. Verse 3, his countenance was like lightning and his clothing as white as snow. This is kind of a common description of angelic beings. We've seen this in other scripture. You'll, you'll even see it Old Testament-wise, too, where this is, the you know, it's white as snow and, and, and bright like this. Okay, shone like the sun. Okay. And the guards, verse 4, shook in fear of him and became like dead men. Have you ever been that scared? Ever been that scared where you're stiff? Uh, I have had dreams that have scared me that much that I'm glad I woke up from. But I can remember in my dream that I could not move and I couldn't talk. So I'm sure that that's kind of what these guys, well, this is what they were like. Now, isn't it ironic that the first people to see evidence of the resurrection are the guards that were put there to keep Jesus' body from leaving the tomb. Hmm. And it says they shook for fear of him. Remember, when angels show up, <laughs> first thing they generally say is, do not be afraid. Showed up to Mary. Mary, do not be afraid. Joseph, don't be afraid. The shepherds in the field, hey, you know, don't be afraid. Do not fear. All right? So, as you can well imagine, seeing somebody that looked like lightning and white as snow, that I think I'd probably be joining in with these, with these guards and being fairly fearful. Verse 5 says, But the angel answered and said to the women, What does he say? Do not be afraid. For I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. And here's the key. He is not here. For he has risen as he said. Let's go back a couple of chapters. Matthew chapter 20. We're going to read 17 through 19 where it says, Now Jesus, going up to Jerusalem, took the twelve disciples aside on the road and said to them, Behold, we're going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man, speaking of himself, remember, will be betrayed to the chief priests and the scribes, and they will condemn him to death and deliver him to the Gentiles to mock and scourge and to crucify. And that's what we saw. And the third day he will rise again, just as he said. Come, see the place where the Lord lay, and go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead, and indeed he is going before you into Galilee. 
there you will see him before behold i have told him told you okay back to going to galilee let's go back into chapter 26 verses 31 and 32 it says, Jesus said to them, All of you will be made to stumble because of me this night, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. What happened to the disciples in the Garden of Eden? In the Garden, garden of Gethsemane? What happened to them? They split. They all ran like a bunch of chickens. Verse 32 goes on to say, But after I have been raised, I will go before you to Galilee. There it is. Fulfilling his word. Verse 8. So they went out quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy. Boy, that's, isn't that kind of a, um, almost, uh, almost like an oxymoron, fear and joy. But you, you can just see that. Uh, fearful for what they had seen, joyful for what they had heard. Okay. And he ran to bring his disciples word. And as they were went to tell the disciples, behold, Jesus met them and saying, rejoice. I guess, I guess so. So they came and held him by the feet and worshiped him. Can you, I can almost imagine us doing the same thing the first time we see him when we reach paradise. I can just see that happening. Verse 10, then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. There it is again. Don't be afraid. Go and tell my brethren to go to Galilee, and there they will see me again, just as he had said in chapter 26. And this had to be, as far as I'm concerned, this had to be the greatest aha moment that was ever, ever, greatest ever aha moment ever, ever, ever. Okay, verse 11. Now, while they, the Marys, were going, behold, some of the guard came to the city, Jerusalem. And reported to the chief priests and all the chief priests all the things that had happened. Now they were doing their duty. They had to go report, even though it could mean their death. Okay, because they're supposed to guard this with their lives. Now, verse twelve: When they, the chief priests, assembled with the elders and consulted together, what did they do? They gave a large sum of money to the soldiers, hush money. You know. It's funny because these chief priests and elders had to believe everything that the soldiers witnessed, and yet, what did they do? They wanted to cover it up. Why? Because they had a good gig going, and they didn't want to lose their position and their power and all that stuff. It's just amazing. Because they had, if they heard this story, they had to believe what, what was said. But it didn't hit them. You know, it's kind of that head to the heart thing when I say 18 inches between their, your head and your heart. You know, you can hear it all you want and it still doesn't, doesn't sink. Okay. Tell the soldiers, tell them the disciples came at night and stole them away while we slept. Now, this is really kind of funny. How would they know that the disciples stole them while they slept if they were sleeping? And the next thing is, and as, as it, it goes, there is a death penalty for falling asleep as a guard. So this sum of money had to be fairly darn large. And it goes on to say, and if it comes to the governor's ears, we will appease him and make you secure. 
collapses. Don't worry about it. We'll take care of it. They seem to have quite a bit of experience of taking care of things. Hmm. Verse 15. So they took the money, the soldiers, and did as they were instructed. And this saying is commonly reported among the Jews until this day, not only Jews, but all of those who will say Jesus was a man, possibly even a prophet, but deny that he is truly the risen Son of God. Same thing. They'll say, "Oh no, 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 no!" You know, it, 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 they they stole they stole. It. Go back to that. Why would the disciples risk all that, all their lives? Think about that. If they stole Jesus' body out of the tomb, you've probably heard me say this countless times, but it still fits here. If they stole his body and they perpetrated this lie, why would you go to your death for a lie? Where every every disciple, with the exception of John, died a martyr's death. And of course, John was boiled in oil, and there's no, there's no reason why he didn't die that, other than God's grace. So it, it just boggles the mind that people think that this could happen. Anyway, again, Satan likes him. He's the father of all lies, and he's okay to let this go. Verse 16, Then the eleven disciples went into Galilee, to the mountain which Jesus has appointed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Now, there's been different ways of trying to explain this. I believe what this is saying that they, they're not doubting it like, ah, oh, no way. No way. Didn't happen. They're doubting like, I can't believe my eyes. This is really happening. I think that's more of the deal. That certain commentators say that, oh, it's because of the other 500 people that it, that witnesses uh, over 500 people that witness him alive, and some of them doubt it. No, it's really referring to the, 12, the, the 11 disciples, and uh, I really do think that that was kind of the idea, is that, that they're not doubting that it happened. It's just they can't believe their own eyes. Now, verse 18, Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All, remember, there's that word I like so much. What does all mean? All, it's all all means. All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Okay, not all believers are disciples. That just doesn't seem really to fit. Well, I can speak from experience. I've always believed that Jesus was my Savior is my Savior. I always have known that. Have I always followed him as my Lord? No. Was I being a disciple then? No. Okay. That's 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 the whole thing. Um, and it goes on to baptizing. Okay. Now, this is kind of a, a controversial. And again, I just don't, it's like communion. The two things that should absolutely unite all Christians together, communion and baptism. And those are the two things that split us all apart. Now, this is baptizing them. They're making disciples of all nations, baptizing them. First of all, 
In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. If you have been baptized, and people have been, in something other than the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you haven't been baptized. Sorry. You know, if you have been baptized into a religion who believes that Jesus is the Son of God and not God himself, does not believe in the Trinity, and there are those are out there, then you have not been baptized. Because it says, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Okay, they've got that taken care of. Infant baptism. Well, coming from a Lutheran background, which is sacramental, the thought on infant baptism is that being a sacrament, that it is a gift when you're being baptized as an infant, okay, is that like Jesus, when he was baptized by John the Baptist, what happened? Had the dove come down, the Holy Spirit in the form of a dove came upon him. Well, the thought is that baptism is giving the gift of the Holy Spirit, and why wouldn't you want that for your child? Okay, that's the thought process on it here. I'm not saying this is right. I'm not saying this is wrong. The other thing is, is a believer's baptism, where it is shown as an outward expression of an inward change. Okay, uh, I like the... Uh, the full immersion baptism because you're buried with Jesus in your sins and you come out of it. Uh, I'm not going to tell you one way or the other. I'm not ready to be put up on a stake and burned as a heretic by, by coming on one side or the other, the whole thing. But it does say baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Do you have to be baptized to be saved? No. Thief on the cross is with Jesus as we speak, and he was not baptized. He didn't take communion. He didn't join any Bible study. Uh, he didn't know anything about uh, justification by faith. Okay, <laughs> So, again, those are the things, but it's, this is what Jesus is commanding us to do and teaching them to observe all the things I have commanded you. That's how you become a disciple, by observing the things that Jesus has commanded. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the age. Amen. I have heard it said that Jesus was talking only to the 11 disciples. This does not apply to us. So I have to think about this. I have to ponder this. Well, if he was only talking to them, why would he say that I'm with you until the end of the age? He's talking to all believers. This is what we're called. Now, are we called? Uh, we're called, again, as witnesses, not attorneys. We're called to witness to what Jesus has done in our life. There are those who are also called to be able to do the following up, and, and which we all can. But sometimes it's neat to say, okay, if they want to ask more questions, you say, you know what? I, I can't answer this, but I know a guy or a gal, you know, type of thing. Uh, but we all are called to be witness. Again, not attorneys. I don't think anybody's been uh, argued into the kingdom, even though we so desperately want to at times. I don't think anybody has. So there we are. In the book of Matthew, it ends up again with a great commission. And I agree that we are all, all called, not just the 11, 
to go and reach all nations. You know, if you don't have the ability to do this, but you do have the ability to contribute to a mission, absolutely, man. That's really, that, that's the way to do it. Using the gifts that God has given you. Okay. So questions, comments, or smart aleck remarks. Uh, if you have any, I'm as close as the internet, uh, or a telephone, whatever works. Uh, tonight, I have three guys I'd like to lift up in prayer. Terry James, we prayed for him the last couple of weeks. He, uh, ended up having a stroke, but he's home now and I guess resting comfortably. Friend Chuck Skelton, one of the original guys with the Hot Rod Bible study, I guess he might, he seems to think that they're thinking he might have to have his gallbladder removed. So, okay. And then also our good friend Fred Paxton, uh, Sounds like he's having some issues again. He's he's a, been going through cancer stuff for a number of years. Uh, my any of you who know Freddie Paxson know, uh, wow, what an example of somebody who was radically changed by Jesus Christ, and what a neat guy. So with that, let's pray for these men. Lord, we lift Terry and Chuck and Fred up to you. I pray that you lift that you place your healing hand on each one of them that you just heal them in them uh, in accordance with your grace and mercy. And Lord, I'd also like to add that you protect those in Israel and uh, all those who uh, are in harm's way there. And I pray for the peace of Jerusalem, as it is said. Keep them in your care. And with that, uh, may the peace of God that surpasses all understanding Keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. But one thing I almost forgot to mention, we're starting in the book of Ecclesiastes tomorrow, Nate, tomorrow, next week. All right, again, God bless. Good night.